God sees us not only as individuals but also as groups of people in communities, cities and nations. He calls us to pray for people groups. We discover some key areas to pray. Caleb, a man of faith and courage, transformed a city of giants into a city of refuge and friendship with God. Can we do the same today through prayer? So let's say this out loud, bold and strong together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word, I believe His word, and I live by His word. Christ is my master, and to Him I am. In absolute surrender, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. Over the last several weeks, we've been uh, spending time talking about prayer. And uh, the real key uh, truth that we really want to impress on our hearts is the fact that Prayer is a ministry and all of us can be involved in this ministry of prayer. You know, when we talk about other kinds of ministries, whether it's uh, music or, you know, leading worship or preaching, teaching and those kinds of things, uh, many of us are held back because we may not have the necessary skills that are required for that. I don't know how to play guitar. I tried long ago, one year, and gave up after it. Uh, there are certain things I can't do when it comes to music or leading worship and those kinds of things. So uh, we are held back. But prayer as a ministry is something all of us can be involved in. All it requires is a desire to pray and some time that you will allocate to just go before God in prayer. And uh, we began by looking at this man called Epaphras in Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, just to quickly review. Uh, we looked at his life, how uh, uh, Paul writing about him says, you know, I bear witness about this man uh, that he, as a servant of the Lord, he's laboring fervently for you in prayers, praying that you will stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So, we said several things as we began that prayer is a ministry. Uh, it's at the true prayer, we are working towards the same objectives as the preaching and the teaching of God's word. So through the preaching and teaching of God's word, we want people to be perfect and complete in the will of God. Now that's the same thing that you accomplish through prayer. We're working together, whether you're praying or we're preaching and teaching, we're all working to help people become perfect and complete in the will of God for their lives. And so we achieve or we work towards the same objectives as we minister uh, through prayer. Uh, the same as we would do when we preach and teach the word of God. We spend some time talking about how to pray for the family. Now how many of you have started praying or are praying for your family? 
I don't want to put your hands up. It's okay. Uh, but I really want to encourage you to make sure you pray for your family. If you're married, make sure you pray for your spouse, your children. Cover your family in prayer. Uh, through prayer, you can cause the purposes of God to unfold for the lives of your family members. Amen? It's a powerful powerful opportunity, a tool, and avenue that God's given to all of us. You can pray. Pray for your family. Then we spent one Sunday talking about praying for the church. How, how important it is for all of us to pray for the local church, for us as a body. We looked at the prayers of Paul that he prayed for different local churches that he was uh, involved in in some way during his time. The prayers that he prayed for, his, uh, for those local churches. So I want to encourage you to take up those prayers and, and, and pray those same prayers as we pray for our church. Amen? Would you do that? I believe that as more and more of us engage in just praying for the church, we will see things happen through us as a body. And God is already doing a wonderful things. So we can see that rise up or escalate to higher realms and higher levels as we begin to just pray for us as a church, as we begin to engage in doing that. Today, as we get ready to close this series on uh, ministering to prayer, I want to talk a little, uh, take a little time to talk about praying for communities, cities, and nations. Praying for communities, cities, and nations. And as much as God is a personal God, that he relates to each one of us personally, God also relates to groups of people. To communities or cities or nations. He relates to them as groups of people. For instance, in, in the Bible, you will find God uh, not only speaking to individuals, but you will find prophets going and prophesying to a city or sometimes in a community or sometimes an entire nation. They will speak to them saying, this is what God is saying to you as collectively, as a group of people, as a community, as a city, as a nation, speaking to them. We also find God uh, judging communities or groups of people or forgiving communities. When, when a city repents, the entire city is forgiven. So God relates not only to us as individuals, but also to us as groups of people. He looks at us, he relates to us even in that sense. And uh, the other side of communities that the Bible also unveils to us is that communities or cities or nations, these groups of people, can also be influenced by demonic powers. That is also evident in scripture. For example, in Daniel chapter 10, the Bible talks to us about the prince of Persia. The entire region of Persia has a principality, a, a demonic power over that entire region. Or that of Greece. Or Revelation 2, to the, one of the seven churches, the Lord Jesus is speaking, and I think it's, this, it's a city of Pergamos, and he says to the church there, uh, he's telling the church there, you are placed in the very place where Satan has his seat. Meaning, Satan has such a dominating presence in your city, that you are where the church is. So even communities, cities, groups of people can have demonic presence that covers them, that oppresses them. So that's all the more reason 
we need to engage in prayer. Now, I want us to look at several scriptures this morning. And none of these things, none of these scriptures are new. Most of us would already know these scriptures. So this morning may come more as a reminder, as just a stirring up of this, this, this call to minister through prayer. Let's look at scriptures where God invites us to pray for cities, for communities, for nations. Let's look at those kinds of scriptures. In Isaiah, the 59th chapter, verses 14, 15, 16. Isaiah 59, verses 14, 15, 16. Verses 14 and 15 describe the condition of the land. This is what it says. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. So here's the condition of the land. There is no truth, there is no justice, there is no equity. People are departing from righteousness and then they're getting enslaved by evil, being destroyed by evil. And God saw it and he was not happy about it. God looks at our city. He sees the injustice. He he sees all these things. God is not happy about it. But what does he do? The next verse. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. So he saw all this thing happening. And what's the next thing God's looking for? He's looking for an intercessor. Somebody who would pray to him about all this stuff that's going on. Somebody would say, God, there is injustice. There is, there is evil. There is, truth. there is no truth. There is no equity. Uh, people are going away from righteousness and departing into evil. Uh, somebody who would speak to God on behalf of the land. He looked for that. He wondered, how come there's nobody? And therefore, he decided to do something. Ezekiel, the 22nd chapter, is a parallel scripture to this. Uh, We could go there, and Ezekiel describes this uh, in different words. In Ezekiel 22, and verses 29 and 30. Here the Bible says, The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and needy, And they wrongfully oppress the stranger. You say, Pastor, this doesn't happen here in Bangalore. Do you know what we Indians have been doing to foreigners in our own city? Especially the Africans. You know, we we have a big African student community attending our North Church. And it's really sad. The students were telling us, we were talking to them, they would walk down the street and our, our policemen would just catch them, put them and take them into prison. Now they are strangers in our land. And this is what's happening. Many of them had to spend a night or two in jail for no reason. I mean, just keep caught them, put them in. This is happening in Bangalore City. Around you and me. A lot of them are, you know, until finally, there was one 
judge who stood up and they had to bring people out from out of the country. They came here, they had to stand up, they had to fight for their rights. So much of injustice. And you know, these students come all the way from Africa to study here in colleges that don't exist. You know, the recruiters go into those countries saying, come, come to India and study, collect all the money. They land up here, there is no college. Doesn't exist, but money is gone. It's happening all right around you and me. And then they get stuck here. What do you do? How do you get a degree? They've come here for an education. They've come here uh, for a better life. I mean, just to do something. And we are treating them like this. It's happening in our city. So, let's not read this verse saying, oh, it happened 2,000, I mean, hundred years, thousands of years. Thousand years ago. This describes our own city. The people of our city have used oppressions, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger, meaning the foreigner. What does God do? So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall, who would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. That I should not destroy it. But I found no one. So God is saying, look, I'm seeing all this happening. And then I'm looking. Is anybody at APC praying about this? Is anybody in the churches in Bangalore praying about this? I sought for somebody to stand before me on behalf of what's going on here. And he says, I found They were too busy. They didn't have time to pray. They didn't have time to stand before me on behalf of all these things that were happening right around them. And therefore God had to bring about his judgment on the land. So what do we, what does this tell us? It really tells us that, you know, God is calling us to pray for communities, for people around us, groups of people around us. And he's looking for those who would intercede before him for things that are happening around. Several other scriptures, Second Chronicles 7, it's, uh, it's this passage about uh, Solomon dedicating the temple and uh, verse 13 and 14 talk about um, the condition of the land. And God says, you know, if there is no rain in the land, if there's a famine in the land and there are no crops and so on, then he tells them in verse 14, if my people... Were are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He says, I will forgive their sin. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their lands. And of course, it's, uh, the context there is, of course, about a physical condition, about no rain, famine and, and all of those things. But definitely this would apply even to the spiritual state of the land. That if we as God's people recognize, God, there is a famine in our nation. There are people who don't know the Lord. It's dry here. There are people who don't know Jesus. And so we call out to God on behalf of the land. God says, I will heal there. I will do something about it. So here's prayer that, that needs to go up for an entire nation, for an entire community or a city. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 7. Jeremiah is speaking to the people, God's people at this time, who had been taken captive into a foreign land. Now God's people were foreigners in a different land, in Babylon. And there, 
as they are held captive in Babylon and God, through the prophet, God says, okay, you, you know, you build houses, you plant your vineyards, you settle down here. And then he tells them in verse 7, and seek the peace of the city. Seek the well-being of the city. And pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. So what's God saying? Okay, you're in a foreign land. You're in a place you really don't want to be. But I still want you to seek the well-being of the city. I still want you to pray to the Lord for that city. You know, maybe some of you have moved here from Delhi. I like to say, it doesn't matter if Delhi's hot, I still love it. You know? <laughs> Whatever, you know, maybe you've just moved in here to Bangalore for a season, for a period of, of time. Uh, whatever, and this is not your home, and, and you may feel like a foreigner, a stranger in this place. But still, God is saying, you're in a foreign place, that's, a, that's understandable, but I want you to seek the well-being of the city. Pray to the Lord for that city, because in its well-being, you are blessed. Pray to the Lord for the city. One last scripture here on this, in Psalm 2 and verse 8, God is uh, speaking to his son. He says, you're my son. I've begotten you. Psalm 2. And then verse 8, he says, ask of me and I will give you nations for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your position. He says, ask me and I will give you nations. Now think about it. He said, God, me, tiny little me, Asking you for this huge nation. I mean, what difference will it make if I pray? India is such a big nation. What difference would my little prayer make for such a land? He says, ask me. So it's not about me. It's not about my prayer. But it's about him who hears that prayer. The Bible says that nations are like a drop in a bucket. To me, even one nation is too big. It's so huge. I can't make any, I can't, what can I do? But listen, it's not about me. It's not about our prayer. It's about the God who hears and answers that prayer. He is so more powerful, so much bigger than the nation. And he's inviting you through his son, Jesus Christ. He's asked me and I will give you nations for your Revelation 1 and verse 5 tells us about Jesus. He is the ruler over the kings of the earth. That means the leaders of the earth. He is the ruler over the kings of the earth. Over the leaders of the land. There is a leader above them. He is Jesus. So we go to him. The one who is above the leaders of the land. So through all of these scriptures, we see that we are called, God invites us to pray for communities, cities, nations. Now, when I say communities, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, Koromangla or Artinagar or we live in Jakur. So it doesn't just mean Jakur. Uh, you know, it, it, you, you can look at it that way if you want to. But communities are not necessarily communities as we understand them in areas. But communities are any kind of social group. 
So maybe if you are really burdened for uh, the professionals, the IT professionals, or you're really burdened for a certain industry, people in a certain industry, or you're really um, uh, stirred about uh, a certain segment of society, maybe uh, a cultural group, a social group, um, uh, an ethnic group, uh, it could be any of these things that, 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 com- that come under this thing called communities. Whatever it is, you can pray for them. As a group of people, whatever God's put in your heart, you begin to pray. Pray for that community, that group of people. Amen? In Matthew 6 and verse 10, Jesus tells us, he says, I want you to pray like this. I want you to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. That's our responsibility to pray. God, we want your kingdom, your rule, your reign, your authority to be released here on earth. We want your kingdom to come. So you pray, Lord, I pray your kingdom come in that community, that segment of society, that kind of people. Uh, you know, it could be a school, your college, your, uh, your uh, apartment complex, the society you live in, wherever. God, I want, you commi- I want your kingdom to come. And we've also been given authority to do this. In Matthew 16, 18, 19, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against this, against the church. And he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That means I'm giving you authority. Heaven's authority is in your hands. And you bind and you lose. That means you forbid and you permit here on earth in order to see God's kingdom come in to the people here. So that authority has been vested in the church, in you and me, to bring his kingdom here on earth. So it's a responsibility placed on you and me to affect communities, cities, and nations, to see God's kingdom come in to groups of people. Are you with me so far? Now I realize all of us are very busy, right? Six o'clock, the Alarm will ring, get a 10 minutes more sleep, wake up 6.15, have your breakfast, whatever, get off to work. Then, you know, uh, come home in the evening, make sure there's dinner, whatever, spend a little time with the family, watch TV, whatever, go to sleep. Next day again. I mean, so where is time for prayer? So pastor, you pray. You do all this stuff about praying for community cities and all. If I can manage 15 minutes and read my Bible, I'll be happy. <laughs> so all this stuff about ministering through prayer, we leave it all for the professional spiritual people. But I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. I believe we need to reprioritize things. Work is important. Things you do professionally, that's important. I'm not denying it. But we are called to live life differently. And Jesus said, do it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added to you. That means I intentionally put the kingdom of God as number one priority for me. So what's priority? The kingdom of God, his kingdom, the purposes of God's kingdom. That's priority. Seek first the kingdom. And then all these other things will be taken care of. So yes, we have to work. We have 
deadlines, we have projects, we've got all those things, all of us go through. But in, in all of that, we choose to make the kingdom of God number one priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. So I want to encourage you and me to do that. Intentionally pray for communities, cities, nations. And yes, you can pray in your closet, alone at home. But you can also pray when you are driving through the city. Many times, even as I'm driving through the city and I see people around me, I say, God, I just pray for these people. God, I just pray for my city. So you can pray. While you're driving around town, stuck in traffic, great time to pray. Right? All those people around you, pray. You can pray when you're going through the mall. You know? Say, Pastor, that's the last thing I think about <laughs> in the mall. But it's okay as you're in the mall. Uh, I know you, you're probably going to go in there to buy something, whatever. But in that process, somewhere inside you, you're saying, God, all these hundreds of people around me, busy with life, they don't know Jesus. I pray for them. Let your kingdom come to my city. So you can pray anywhere, anytime, any place. You can lift up a prayer in your heart to God for communities, cities, for our nation. But do it. Amen? Now, I just want to run through before I close here. Just a few things that we can pray about. So when you tell people, okay, you pray for, your, pray for communities or pray for cities, pray for a nation. Um, Somebody says, okay, what do I pray? What should I pray for? So here are a few things you can pray for. And we've just listed about uh, six of these quick things here. Uh, what can we pray about when you pray for communities? Number one, you pray for the light of the gospel to penetrate that community, city or nation. Say, God, I want the gospel to reach these people. Pray for laborers to bring the gospel to them. Just because they drive by a church building doesn't mean they've heard the gospel. There are many people in our own city. Yes, there are many churches in our city. Yes, there are Christian bookstores in our city. But that does not mean people have heard the gospel. Somebody needs to go tell them. Somebody needs to bring the message of Jesus to them. So you pray. Say, God. I pray that the gospel will reach this community. And if you're praying for, you know, children who are being trafficked, or if you're praying for uh, women or whatever, different things that, that God puts a burden on your heart, you pray for them. Say, God, I pray the gospel will come to these people. That you will send laborers to them. The Lord Jesus taught us to do that. Secondly, you can pray for um, a mighty move of the Holy Spirit among them. Jesus taught us about the ministry, the work of the Holy Spirit among the unsaved. What does he do among the unsaved? Those who don't know Jesus. Jesus told us the Spirit will, the Holy Spirit will convict them of sin, righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit brings about that conviction in their hearts. We share the gospel. We communicate the truth. But the Holy Spirit brings conviction. So you say, Lord, we just, I, just, I just pray, Father, for a mighty move of your Holy Spirit among these people. Let the Holy Spirit bring conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment in their lives. Let the Holy Spirit do it. Pray for them. Pray for a visitation of the Spirit. Number three, we can pray for Satan's veil of blindness to be removed from their eyes. 
the Bible teaches us that the God of this world, Satan has blinded their minds through all kinds of wrong reasoning and philosophy and other thinking. He's blinded the minds that's trying to prevent the gospel from penetrating. So you pray and say, God, let the veil of blindness be removed. Let the eyes, let the spiritual eyes be open. Let their eyes be open to see, to know Jesus. So you pray. A fourth thing we could pray for is for the church or in that community or city or nation to be strengthened. Because eventually it's the church, it's God's people who need to go and reach them. So if we are busy fighting with each other, we have no time to go win the lost. Or we are preoccupied with all the wrong things, we have no time to go reach souls. So pray for the church the body of Christ, to be strengthened, to be awakened, to be empowered, equipped, so that we can impact our worlds. Amen? So pray for the church, the body of Christ, in that community, in that city. Number five, pray for the leaders in government or in authority. Wisdom for them to do righteousness. So Lord, pray for the leaders over that community or city or nation. Pray for them. Thank God we pray for your hand upon them. We pray that they will come to know you. We pray that they will have wisdom to do what's right and what's good for um, that community or that people or that city. And lastly, number six, pray for peace and well-being. For social evils, injustice and unrighteousness to stop. You remember the verses we read in Isaiah 59 and Ezekiel 22. In both those cases, God was looking for somebody to pray about the social evils. About injustice, of inequity, of uh, uh, truth being uh, absent. And so God was looking for somebody who would pray for that. So pray for peace, for well-being, for, uh, uh, for social evils to be dealt with in and among that community. So here are some things. And I'm not saying that every time you pray, you've got to check off all these six things. But I'm saying when you pray, you could pray one of, one of these. Say, God. I see, this, I see this poor man. God, I pray. You will, you will do something. Help us, God, to do something about the poverty. About, or I see these street kids. God, help us to do something about these kids in our city. Or God, I, you know, you might see some, something else. And you pray about it. Are you all with me so far? I want to close with this story of Caleb in the Old Testament. Many of us know the story of Joshua and Caleb. How as God's people were approaching the promised land, uh, Moses sent out these 12 spies to go into the land of Canaan, uh, survey the land, come back with a report so that they could prepare themselves to enter. Uh, Joshua and Caleb were two of these 12 spies who went in. They came back with a good report, two of them. But the rest of the, ten, rest of the 12, the 10 others said, sorry, we can't go into this land. It's too much. And so because of that, they spent the next 40 years going in circles around the same mountain range, round and round, round and round. The scenery was changing, but they were in the same place for 40 years. And finally, at the end of the 40 years, one generation had passed. There were, the young people had grown. It was a new generation. And God said, okay, now it's time to go. Go into the promised land. So we come to the 14th chapter of the book of Joshua, where the people of God have moved into the land of Israel. They've occupied most of the territory. They come in there and Caleb is now well advanced in years because it's 40 years later. It's now about 80 or so years old. And Caleb comes to Joshua and he says, Joshua, 
40, and I'm just paraphrasing here. He said, Joshua, 40 years ago, I came to this mountain. And there was this city called Kirjath Arba, a city of giants. There were giants living here. Today I'm standing here 40 years later, but I am today as strong as I was then. Must have been going to the gym every day. <laughs> joking. He said, I am as strong today as I was then. He says, give me this mountain. I want to take it. I will drive the giants out. I'll take this. Joshua says, go ahead. Now, uh, Caleb reminds him that Moses had already said, you can have this mountain. Because, you know, I think Joshua, uh, Caleb must have gone back 40 years earlier, told Moses, saying, Moses, all of this I've seen, but that mountain I wanted for me. So Moses said, yeah, you'll have it. So Joshua says, go ahead. Caleb goes in with this man, takes over that mountain. And that city in that place, on that mountain, which was called Kirjat Arba, which simply was a city of giants, huge people, was now renamed to Hebron, meaning a place of communion, a place of friendship. And Hebron became one of the six cities of refuge in the land of Israel, meaning if anybody had committed a crime unintentionally and needed respite, they would run into the city and they would be safe there until, you know, the legal proceedings took, took place. They would be safe there in the city of refuge. So, a city was, which was a city of giants became a city of friendship, of refuge and friendship with God. Because one man, Caleb, decided he was going to do something about it. I know this is in the natural, but I wanted to see a parallel to it and draw inspiration from it. When it comes to transforming communities, cities, and nations. You look at a community and you see giants there. You see all kinds of things that, that, are, that are intimidating. They say, how are we going to transform this community? How are we going to transform this city? It's so huge. There are giants. How are we going to make an impact? How are we going to make a difference? But we need to have faith and courage like Caleb and say, God, I want to see a change. I want the city of giants to become a city of refuge and friendship with God. I want this community to be changed. And I'm willing to be like Caleb. I'm willing to have faith and courage to begin to pray for the transformation of that community or city or nation. Amen? So I want you to ask the Lord to a community, put cities into your heart. Some of us say, Pastor, I don't have any feelings for the city. I can come in and go out. I have, I'm too busy with life. I, I have no. So maybe that's where we need to start. Saying, God, please put some compassion in my heart for the city. Please put some compassion or put a burden in my heart for a certain community. God, do something. I am dry like a bone. I'm dead. Do something. Stir my heart. Give me some compassion for the nation. Give me some compassion for people. Do something in me. Because out of that, when there's a stirring in your heart, 
out of that, you begin to pray. You begin to pray for your city. Pray for our nation. Amen? Can we guys engage in prayer? Can we do that? All right. What's coming up in the next, in the month of June, um, Starting the next, the second Sunday of June, we're going to spend several weeks um, talking about the workplace and um, and how we can uh, and you know what are the principles, biblical principles, uh, that we can use for the workplace. So here is we have here we have the Bible. The Bible has so many things to say about life. But what we want to do over the next, starting from the twenty. 1st of June, actually on 14th of June, we'll uh, do a preliminary and then from the 21st of June, we'll spend the next two months till uh, 9th of August talking about biblical principles for the workplace. What does the Bible teach us to do in various things that you would find in the workplace regarding, you know, how do I prepare for a career in the workplace? How do I, now what do I do about, you know, if I have a bad boss, what do I do? Fire him, kill him, shoot him, murder him? What do I do about all these things? What do I do about my colleagues who don't treat me well? Uh, And different things in the workplace. We're going to address it from the word of God. Just give us principles. We're doing it intentionally because we are called to be salt and light in this world. Amen? So as we learn those things, we want to equip us as believers to go out there and make a difference in our city and to impact our city for Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to do uh, June through August. Let's stand to our feet. Call our worship team up, please. And let's just take some time to pray before we dismiss here this morning. And I just want you to ask the Lord, saying, God, give me a heart for people in the city, in my nation. Give me a heart for communities. Stir it up in, my, in me, God, so that I can begin to pray. Father, even as we stand before you here this morning, I ask, oh God, that you would release in our hearts, you would stir up inside of each of us compassion for people. God, when we see communities around us, when we see people around us, let compassion come. Let compassion flow out of our hearts for them. And Father, I pray that you will place communities, groups of people in hearts, in our hearts, Lord. That we will begin to pray for them. Place our city and maybe other cities of our nation in our hearts. That we begin to pray over those cities. Place our nation in our hearts, God. That we will pray over our nation. We'll have a have a burden, a sense of responsibility for our nation. We begin to pray for our nation as well. God, stir us up to pray. Stir us up to pray. Make us sensitive to things around us, to people around us, to communities around us, and help us to pray. We just thank you, God. We just thank you. In these next few moments, I just want you to pray for a community or 
a city or even a nation, whatever God places in your heart right now. Maybe there's a certain segment of society that you really feel towards. It could be people in the marketplace. It could be people who are going through difficulties in, in a certain area, whatever that God places in your heart. I want you to take this time just to pray, just to lift up prayer and say, God, I ask that you will touch these people. I ask for a visitation of the Holy Spirit upon them. I ask that the gospel will come to them. I ask for their well-being, for their peace and for justice and whatever you feel God's putting in your heart, would you just take a moment right now to pray for that people group? Searching the earth, he's looking for those who make intercession on behalf of the nation, those who would rise up and pray. The eyes of the Father, the eyes of the Father run to and fro. Searching the earth is looking for those who make intercession on behalf of the nation, those who would rise up and pray. We'll stand in the gap on behalf of our land. We'll stand in the gap on behalf of our land. We'll stand in
Father, we just pray that you will just continue to use us as a body. Continue to use us as a people to pray, to intercede for our city, for our nation, and even for the nations of this world. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. We welcome you, God, just to move upon us in different ways, bringing us, God, to this place where we could pray and intercede for our city, for communities that need help, for our nation. Work among us and raise us up to do this. We thank you. Let's get ready to close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us today and always. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. See you again. Have a good week. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.